Welcome to episode 26 of the I Need More Money radio show, podcast show, video show. I don't even know what we're taught, what we're calling it here, do we, Rich? I mean, what are we calling it? Everything. We're omnipotent. I need more money. Omnipotent show. Man, I went to cooking school. Don't throw out big words like that, buddy. Come on. But the idea behind the I Need More Money show is to help people understand what I believe is an epidemic in this country. I believe people don't have enough money. And people think they do have enough money. And that's the danger zone. It's the danger zone that I call living in false positive. And, uh, you know, I'm writing a book about this. Um, The book is called I Need More Money, What to Do When You Wake Up and You Don't Have Enough. It'll come out in the fourth quarter of this year. Um, As some of you may know, it was picked up by uh, Dupree Miller was the agent. That's Tony Robbins' agent. That's Joel Olstein's agent. And... um, and uh, then they, they sold the book to Penguin, which is a big four publisher in New York. And, uh, and I got a nice advance, and uh, we're, we're knocking through this book called I Need More Money. And, and it's a story of my brother-in-law. As you know, we lost my brother-in-law last year to cancer at 46 years old. And then it's also, and, and unfortunately, he died not very uh, financially sound. And then it's a story of how my wife and I were able to come in and help um, and how you can stop it. Right? Because it's going on in your life too, man. We need more money. Don't be afraid to say it. I need more money. What most people do is we live in fantasy land thinking we don't need more money. Dude, we need more money. Would you agree with that, Richard, or not? Always need more money because that's how you can help yourself and help others. That's the idea, man. Rich, when, when, when Bill Gates said that he needs more money, we all need more money. Bill Gates needs more money so his foundation can do bigger, better things in the world. When the richest man in the world says he needs more money, guess what? You and I need more money. My name is Matt Monero, and I'm coming to you out of my studio in Dallas, Texas, just like I do every Thursday where I bring you the I Need More Money show. Um, you can watch this show on Road Grid TV and video. You can watch it on the Matt Monero or the CFF Nationwide YouTube channel. You can listen to it on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can follow me on all social media platforms, Matt Monero. Uh, why do you want to listen to me? Because I uh, need more money. And I got a few bucks. How did I get the bucks? I built a 22-year-old equipment finance company. We finance heavy industrial equipment, big rigs, bulldozers, tow trucks, moving trucks. Uh, we'll do well over $100 million a year in that space. And we've done well over a billion dollars since I started the business from nothing. And even though I have a few bucks, I still need more money. So I want to help you with your money. Rich, I'm, I have an interesting story that that I hope you find interesting. By the way, everybody, Rich is our IT manager in the studio with me right now, Rich Noah. Hello, everybody. Our faithful IT manager handling the ins and outs of our business and the studio, trying to help us figure out how to run a better show, clearly has the IT of my companies figured out. It runs like a top. Wouldn't you agree, Rich? It's, it's tight now, man. It's tight. <laughs> You got it dialed in, buddy. I love it. Rich, here's something that most people don't know about. Have you ever been to Alaska? Yeah. You have? Mm-hmm. Did, have you ever watched the salmon run in Alaska? No, we just did a layover in Anchorage. Mm. I, I've never been to Alaska. I'd like to go to Alaska, but I don't like the cold. Even though I do those cold water swims, I really don't like the cold. But something amazing happens on this salmon run 
in Alaska that most people really don't understand. I think everybody knows that salmon swim upstream, but what they don't understand is that salmon literally will swim back upstream to the exact spot that they were that they were born to spawn. And that journey might take them thousands and thousands of miles. They literally may swim downstream into the ocean, go thousands of miles away, and then figure out how to come back to their homeland, to their birthplace, and do it all over again. And so how the heck does that happen? I mean, how does the salmon know to get back to their place of birth? There's really two theories in science about it. The first theory is that the salmon, there is some magnetic pull that happens in that section of the stream where they were born and that the salmon literally are, are, are pulled back. Certainly they got to swim their little butts off, but they are pulled back to the exact location. The second reason is that there is a unique smell to that location. In other words, the salmon, regardless of how far away they go, they can actually smell where they're supposed to come back to. And then I guess there's the third one, which is it's just a miracle of God, right? That's a possibility too. But here's what happens. I mean, now that the salmon has been doing this for millions of years, the bears figure it out. They figure out it's my meal ticket, baby. If these salmon are going to swim back upstream every season, I'm going to get myself some salmon dinners. But amazingly, there ends up being three types of bears in the wild. The first bear is the biggest, grittiest, nastiest, toughest bear. That bear will literally go to the riskiest part of the stream where the the waterfall is the strongest, where the rocks are the highest, where the, the rocks are the slipperiest, and that bear will, will sit out, will, will hunker down. And when the salmon jump to try and clear that waterfall, that bear is just going to reach out, he's going to catch the salmon, and he's going to take this one big juicy bite right out of it. And then he's going to throw it away. Because he knows that there's more salmon coming to him. He knows that he risked it. He put himself in the tough spot of the stream so that all he has to do is reach out, catch the salmon, take a big, fat, juicy bite of the filet, and then throw that sucker back in. A little bit further down the stream, you get the second type of bear. And that bear is pretty doggone smart. The first bear might be gritty and nasty and tough, but the second bear is pretty darn smart. He goes to an area in which there's certainly a waterfall, there's certainly a height, these rocks are certainly slippery, but it's not quite as bad. And he he gets two things. One, he gets the salmon jumping to him, but the second thing he can do is he can just turn around and pick up the half-eaten salmon that the gritty bear threw away. And he takes a big juicy bite of the other half of the salmon, and he too throws it away. And down at the end of the stream, where the river doesn't run very hard, there's no big rocks or waterfalls. You get the skinniest, wimpiest bears. And they're down there with with the foxes and the seagulls and the rats and the snakes, and they all fight for the eaten skeletons. They pick through the bones for whatever salmon meat is left on the salmon. That's what happens in your money situation. You're the bear at the end of the stream. You're fighting with the rats, with the seagulls, with the snakes, with the foxes, with the other skinny, wimpy bears for these 
half-eaten salmons that you call clients. These castaway clients that nobody wants. In fact, everybody ran with them for a little while and said, I don't want them anymore. And they threw them away. And you're living off of them. You know the ones I'm talking about, the ones that don't pay you on time, that always want the freebies. They're always grinding you on price. Their orders are puny and small. They're never big, fat, juicy orders that you can actually make some money on. Maybe you're that way in your life. I mean, heck, maybe your spouse is like that. Maybe because you didn't have enough self-esteem, don't beat yourself over it. I didn't. I got lucky when I met my wife. I married up. I got lucky because my self-esteem wasn't where it should have been. But maybe you married that loser, you know, the guy or gal who's going no place. They are that, that eaten skeleton, man. They're the village bicycle. Everybody got a ride. My point is, if you want to make more money, we got to move up the food stream. You've got to start working with bigger, better, stronger clients. My old boss used to say, just because it's a business deal doesn't mean it's a good business deal. Just because a client wants to do business with you doesn't mean you have to do business with them. That's the message on today's show. I want you to look at your selling career, your money situation, maybe even your personal life, and get a good understanding of which bear are you. Are you the grittiest, nastiest bear? Are you in the middle, fighting with the competition, dealing with it, but also having lots of options for you? Or are you the bear at the end of the stream? If you want, right now on Facebook Live, you can send me questions if you'd like. I'd love to answer your questions. Rich is monitoring for questions. So what we want to be able to do, though, is help you get your money situation right. I want you to do better with your money. So let me give you some takeaways, some tips on today's show that I want you to use in your own life. The first tip I got for you is, man, you've got to develop a healthy self-esteem. You've got to be able to believe in yourself and that you are worthy of doing business with richer, better, well-heeled customers. The second thing is you've got to believe in what you're doing and what you're selling. Man, if you don't believe in the product, you're toast. You'll never be able to follow up with that customer 7, 8, 9, 12 times if you don't believe in what you're selling or what you're doing. You just won't. Number three you got to become an expert in your space. Experts only these days, folks. Amateurs get crushed. You literally have to dominate your space. Now, in our world of financing, equipment financing, we only work in four industries. We work in trucking, towing, construction, and moving. I don't know anything about medical equipment financing or restaurant equipment financing or furniture equipment financing. There are some really successful companies in those spaces. All I know about is trucks, trailers, moving equipment, forklifts, box trucks. I know that stuff cold and so does my entire staff. So if that's you know, if you want to move up the food chain in your money situation and you want more money, You've got to become an expert in your niche. Number four, you've got to move up the food chain and the clients and the customers that you do business with. I want you to look at it like this. Never play down. Always play up. 100% of the time, never look down. 
Always look for clients that are bigger than you. Most of us choose to do business with customers that are smaller than us because it makes us feel good and we're not willing to challenge ourselves to go for the big clients. You need to move up the food chain. Number five, you got to understand your value. I'll give you a perfect example. For those of you who know David Jensen, David Jensen is the hiring expert. He wrote a book called um, uh, Hire Naked. Um, and I knew that David Jensen would be able to help me with some HR issues that we were having in our company here. And I called him up and said, I'm going to hire you, and I'm going to pay you $500 an hour. I want two sessions with you. I'm going to send you a check for 1000 bucks." Now, I have absolutely no idea whether that was a lot or a little for David Jensen, whether he charges that much or he doesn't charge that. I have no idea. But I knew for me that the answers that I was going to get from him for my questions were worth a grand. So I didn't even haggle with him. I didn't even ask him what his price was. I just said, here's what I'm going to pay you, and now let's get started. And, of course, he said, let's get started. So you need to understand your value in the marketplace, right? How much are you worth or how much are you willing to pay to get the advice that you can turn into tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or maybe millions. That David Jensen call with me, which cost me a thousand bucks, I didn't even question pricing, I didn't ask, I just said, here's what I'm going to pay you, has made me hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you need to understand your value. Number six, you've got to bring more value. I'll give you a perfect example, Rich, on how this is playing out recently, where I have a guy hit me up on Facebook on social media. He's, uh, he's gunning for a, a 10x giveaway ticket. And, um, and he's, he called me at the office. He sent in a bunch of videos, and he sells apparel, clothing apparel, right? Like, like logoed stuff. Okay. And, and uh he called me, I picked up the phone, and he said, hey, here's what I do, and I see you wear a lot of Callaway shirts and all this stuff. I said, yeah, he's like, well, I rep Callaway. I said, great, send me, send me what you got. You know what he sent me? A link to the catalog. <laughs> I'm not, like, dude. Not, not a personalized, here's some ideas. Dude, I ain't opening up no link to no catalog. You know what you need to do? You need to send me actual pictures of the shirt that you think I would look beautiful in, and tell me exactly how much it costs, and then send me the link to the credit card checkout box. Don't just send me the. Don't make it difficult for me to do business with you. Make it easy. It. He wasn't. He wasn't selling. He was begging. He was just doing the minimum. He wasn't bringing me any value, dude. I don't need you to send me a link to a a, a catalog of shirts. I can get that anywhere. What you need to do is become my fashion icon, which I could use some help in that category, right? That's what you need to become. You need to become my fashion consultant and say, if you don't have this black and blue Callaway shirt, you're, you're missing it. And then you know what? I'd probably buy five of them. But if you just make me work to do business with you, you did not bring me any value. Number seven, are you ready for this, Richard? Do it. Increase your prices. Increase your prices. You can always go down on your price, but it's very difficult to go up. Price increases piss people off, especially your best customers. So go high from the beginning. I had another guy hit me up on Facebook. He's in this graphic design, starting a graphic design business and all this stuff. He says he's doing most of his work for free. I'm like, why? What are you doing your work for free for? It doesn't make any sense. Nobody values free. Nobody values free. Charge. Move up the food chain. That's a self-esteem issue. You know what I mean? Or it's a lack of belief in your product. 
So you think you need to give it away. You don't need to give it away. Charge. In fact, increase your prices is, is that point. Uh, number eight, follow up like a madman or a madwoman. Most people never follow up to get the business. You follow up once or twice in the same method. What we do is we call the customer twice and then we stop. You know, yesterday we talked to Natasha Brooks from Grant Cardone's office. Natasha was the number one salesperson in Cardone's office for the month of January. She posted about it on social, and I was so impressed that I said, hey, would you jump on a quick Skype call with our team? You set it up for us. Mm -hmm. She talked about follow-up. She said she'll give the customer a call. Then she'll send him a text. Then she'll send him a selfie. Then she'll create a personalized video. Then she'll send out... Uh, a thank you card, and then maybe she'll send out some Cardone material for them. That's six touches. She says it all happens within the first week. Mm -hmm. Bang! And what are we doing? One phone call, and hopefully the guy calls us back. Listen, man, when you start moving up the food chain, the first thing you're going to realize is the players are busy. They don't hold it against you that you call them 10 times, especially if you believe in the product that you're selling. They want you to call them 10 times so that hopefully when they're ready, a trigger event... When they're ready to buy, you're the person that they think of. But if you don't follow up enough, you'll never get it. And then number nine, I think the most important thing, don't assume. Ask. Always ask for the business. Did I help you today? What should I ask you that I didn't ask you? What is your biggest pain point? Stop making the assumptions that you know what the customer's problems are. Ask the customer what the problems are. And then always ask for the business. All right? That's the play, man. Those are the top nine things on how you can stop being the bear at the end of the stream and you can move up the food chain and start to actually be the nastiest, grittiest bear and move the needle of net worth. Richard, we got any interesting questions on Facebook? Nobody yet so far. Nothing. Do I, I, you have any interesting questions? Yeah, I have one question about, is it, you say you have, okay, the, going back to the bear story, the instinct to, for the salmon. Talk about the grit. What What is it the instinct that drives those bears to have the grit to be at the head of the street? Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, nature dominates everything, and it happens in business too, right? There are some that are just naturally more angry or grittier. Some have different circumstances. A lot of grittiness, nastiness, toughness comes from tragedy, right, um, from loss, Um but it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, listen, th what most people don't understand, I'm, on, I'm in an accountability group every Thursday morning, 7 a.m., me and four other guys, one guy in Singapore, guy in Miami, guy in Iowa, guy in Colorado, and me jump on a call for one hour. Every Thursday, 7 a.m., we jump on the call. Nobody misses. And um, this morning, one of our guys, unfortunately, um, his wife, uh, he has eight children. They were having their ninth child, and and it was a stillborn. Oh, no. And it was a stillborn at, at just shy of nine months. So his wife carried it. Mm -hmm. And last week, he literally jumped on the accountability call. They found out Wednesday night. He jumped on the accountability call on Thursday to tell us and then jumped off to go back and, and deal with this stuff. But today was the follow-up, and he told us, um, he had such an amazing attitude about the tragedy, but, but his point was, and he said, he's been saying it to his wife and his children the whole, the, for the last week was, um, God, could you imagine if we were this close without this tragedy? 
The tragedy clearly brought us stronger, but could you imagine if we were this strong and this wow. tight without having that tragedy? That's perspective. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing, he said to his family, if we could be this strong without that tragedy? My point is, you don't have to go through the tragedy to be able to visualize it. You can visualize yourself going bankrupt and what damage that would do to your business or to your finances or to your family, and don't let it happen. That's how you start to develop grittiness, is you start to visualize problems, tragedies, occurrences that happen before they happen, and it creates a sense of toughness. Um, so some of it is innate, Rich. Some people just have it and some people don't. Some people are meant for their entire lives to be the bear at the end of the stream, and that's a possibility. And that's a possibility, and that that's 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 fine. But those people probably shouldn't be in sales, right? Selling is about scoreboard and generating revenue and income. Um, so I hope I, I answered your question. It's a great question. What separates those? How does somebody get it when somebody doesn't have it? Tragedy often triggers it, or just a lack. Just getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm just freaking tired of being the bear at the end of the stream. I see it with my middle son. I have three boys. My middle son is most like me. He's um, he's soft. He's nervous. He's insecure. And I see some of his friends um, steamroll him. In fact, I saw him not too long ago. He, they had like this flag day at the school. And I went up to watch him. And I just quietly sat on the sidelines because I wanted to observe. And one of his buddies, the big, fat, loudmouth kid was screaming, Monero! 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 He must have screamed it a dozen times. And then he said, then when he got my son's attention and my son looked over at him, he goes, bring me my water! Man, those are fighting words for me, man. I said, I'll bring you your freaking water, pal. I walked right over to him. I said, if I ever hear you yell for my son or talk to my son or ask my son to bring you anything again, you're going to have a big problem, pal. And you know, I went up and had, on Tuesday, that says Thursday, on Tuesday I went and had lunch with my uh, my youngest son, and the teacher came over to me and said, "You, the school board won't allow you to sit with the general population anymore. Too many parents going up there and having those sidebar conversations with the kid who's bullying their kid. Because the parents don't know how to handle their kid. Maybe so, or the other kid. Yeah, so the bully is doing that, but but parents are beginning to step up and say, if the school isn't going to protect my kid from bullying, I'm going to go up there with some Chick-fil-A, and I'm going to get in that fat kid's ear and tell him, you talk to my son like that again. And the school board's caught on to it. So what they, they I, I said, I'm only going to be here for another minute. They let me stay, but they have a separate section in the lunchroom where you and your kid go and sit and have lunch. You can't sit with the general population because they're afraid that the parents are going to get in that kid's ear and give him a, give him a hard time. Wow, a change. That's such a change. <laughs> right? So, you know, you got you to gotta get some thick skin, man. Sooner or later, you got to get the self-esteem issues worked out. We got to move up the food chain and make more money. But there's hope. You can. It's cause you, just because it was, you know, I mean, I, I, I put something out on social the other day. I said, I, I, you know, I spent the first 40 years of my life dreaming too small. I'm going to spend the next 40 years of my life making up for it, you know. So we can change. We can all change. Hey, I'm your host, Matt Monero. We're finishing up the I Need More Money show, podcast, video show, whatever else show. And it does show up everywhere. Let me tell you where you can find it. You can find it on Road Grid TV. That's our network that we run. 
You can find it on YouTube. Type in Matt Monero for my channel, or you can type in my company channel, CFF Nationwide. Or, of course, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher as the I Need More Money podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. We come to you every Thursday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Leave us your comments. Tell us what you think about the show. And get ready for the new book, the I Need More Money book, What to Do When You Wake Up and You Don't Have Enough. It comes out in the the, uh, fourth quarter of 2017, and we're going to make it a New York Times bestseller. Hey, till the next time we talk, y'all. Bye.